0: <clears throat> Let's pray, Father God. We just thank you, praise you for this day, Father. We thank you for this opportunity to to preach your word, Father. We thank you for everyone that is here and is listening, Father. We we lift them up to you, Father. We pray that your word will go out and will not return void, and we just give you praise and honor and glory for it in Jesus' most precious name, Amen. <clears throat> so it's this um. <clears throat> Really nice theater, like really nice theater. And they have a production going on. And one of the ushers is walking up and down the aisles just checking to make sure everything is okay. And he comes across this guy laying across three seats. He's like, sir, I'm sorry, but this is a really nice theater. You can't lay across three seats here. And the guy doesn't pay him any attention. And he just moans and groans. for a second. And He said, sir, I'm, if you don't get up, I'm going to have to go get the manager. And the guy groans. So the usher disappears and goes down the hallway and comes back with the manager. The manager says, sir, I don't know if you know where you are, but this is a very nice theater. You can't just lay across the seats. The guy just groans and he said, hey, look, if you don't get up, we're going to call the cops. And the guy kind of does his hand and so they quickly go out and get the cops. So the cop gets there and says, sir, this is a really nice theater. You can't just lay across three seats. The guy kind of groans and he said, hey, buddy, what's your name? And the guy said, Sam. He said, Sam, where are you from? He said, the balcony. (laughs) Philip didn't think that was funny. I thought it was hilarious. Poor old Sam fell out the balcony. Um, (laughs) So so I... (laughs) I I like it when I get funny at my joke. That's awesome. When I laugh at my joke, that's great. I've been waiting all week to tell that joke. I done told it a couple times. Crystal's done heard it like three times. But anyway, so what we're going to talk about today is um, um, being generous. And and the word generous means that a person, according to the definition, a generous person is a person showing a readiness to give more. That, that's, a, that's what the definition says, that somebody is that is generous. Now, now, I don't care who you are, there are some things that you do generously, right? I mean, and I don't care who you are. You can be the biggest uh, penny pincher, meister, whatever. There's something you do generously. Now, it might be putting syrup on your pancakes. You might do that generously, or, or syrup on your ice cream, you might do that generously. But I mean, you have some form of generosity in you, right? If you're generous in some level, shape, or form, then you know, it might be generous to your own self, right? Um, that whole um, the Scrooge McDuck, right? The little cartoon, he was generous of taking his employees' money and putting it back in his pocket, but he was generous to, to some extent. But what we're going to talk about today is being a generous giver, and we're not necessarily, although a lot of the references always end up being about money, we're not necessarily talking about money. Because it doesn't say money in the definition, it just says somebody who is showing the readiness to give more. So it could be you're generous with your time, you're generous with your compliments, you're generous with your attention, with your love, your affection. It could be generous in lots of ways, right? I mean, and, and listen. Um, we well, get yeah, hung up on the money part, and, and, and that's not necessarily where the, the, the root of the answer is. The money is a good example because it's easy, if I took money out of my pocket and handed it to you, it's easy for you to see the today's value in what I handed you. You know, that's the... Now, if I, I reached in my pocket and got you a couple of dimes or, or, or two quarters, right, now, even when I was growing up and working at the hardware store, two quarters would get you a can drink out of the, out of the um, drink machine out front. In fact, Jay Davis, who used to work for Granddaddy for years and years and years, and one of my favorite people that I've ever met, used to call them case quarters. Anybody ever heard them called case quarters? Do you know why they were called case quarters? Because the lock on the front of the drink machine was made by a case. And right under where you put the quarters in, it said Case. Because that was the name brand of the lock, So he'd always ask me for two case quarters, right? He'd come up there working at the hardware store and say, give me some case quarters and give me a dollar. And I'd give him change back out of the register. But if I walked up to you in today's money and gave you 50 cent, I'm not sure what you can buy with 50 cent. The value of that 50 cent is not very strong, right? I mean, in, in, in 1991, if I gave you 50 cent and you were at Keller Hardware at Main Street, you would get an ice cold Pepsi, Mountain Dew, Mellyella, whatever we had that Uncle Chip bought that week from Sam's that didn't always match the buttons. But I mean, we did the best we knew how. But you could get ice cold something out of that machine almost every time with your 50 cent. But the value of that 50 cent when it was 100 degrees, it was pretty valuable, but today, in today's money, it's not so valuable. But but if you give somebody money, whether it's a dollar or two dollars, or ten dollars, a hundred dollars, $1, a thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars, whatever, the value—the reason money is such a good example—is because the value is understood. Everybody in here knows the value of a dollar and five dollars and ten dollars and twenty dollars. There's no secret to that. Now, if I told you that. Hey, look, I'm going to help you out, and I'm going to give you some of my cryptocurrency. And I currently hold about 1,600 or 1,800 phantom coins, right? I do, personally. And I told you, hey, I'm going to give you a phantom coin. Most of y'all, I will bet, do not know the value of phantom coin. Does anybody know the value of a phantom coin? Oh, okay. Well, it changes pretty rapidly, but I think today they're worth about $2.50, right? Not a lot. But I own like sixteen, eighteen hundred 1,800 of them. The cool part is that I bought them when they were like 30 cents. So... I personally think $2.50 for a phantom coin is great, but for somebody to understand the value of it, because you can be pouring out generously something that you think is valuable and they might not think it's valuable. I mean, you know what I mean? You could be giving them all of your time, and they think you are annoying as hanging. You won't leave them alone. I mean, you know what I mean? So for us to be generous, it has to have value. King David said, I will not give God anything that didn't cost me something. And the Bible talks about generous givers, and we're going to get into some of those scriptures, and we're going to talk about it. And I just want to say on the outset, I have a couple examples of things that I have done in this scripture. I mean, in this sermon, okay? some personal experiences to where I have done something. I am no way, shape, or form using In fact, up until yesterday, nobody knew about my first example except for Crystal and the people who witnessed it. And it's been a couple of weeks. I I just don't want you to think that I'm bragging by some means that I've done something that you haven't done and I'm better than you or worse than you or anything else. It's just the only way to get the example across, okay? All right, so we're going to start way back, way back. In Proverbs... And there are a couple of good, pro- I mean, you know, if you ever get down in the dumps and you just want to laugh at some stuff or, or read some stuff that you don't think it is, um, go read Proverbs, because there's some funny stuff in Proverbs if you get down to it. But I want to read uh, uh, Proverbs chapter 11, um, and, and it's really a couple, three in a row, but we'll read 23, the desires of the righteous ends only in good, but the hope of the wicked only in wrath, that's just, that hits home. Twenty-four. One person gives freely yet gains even more. Another person withholds unduly and becomes poor. And it comes to poverty. Twenty-five is really the one, and it's actually funny enough. It's the Bible out Bible verse today. Um, a per, a generous person will prosper, and whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. So when you start talking about what do you need, right, if 'Cause see sometimes it's it's not it's not easy to help folks. So you could be you can want to be as generous as you can, and if you don't know what they consider valuable or what they need, I mean you you you're just not helping, right? But but in this, in Proverbs it says a generous person will prosper, and whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. So if you're like like I said now, value is always based on the situation, right? I mean, if I went into the back and got y'all a glass of water like mine, I mean, it's not very valuable today. It's 35 or 8 degrees. It's pretty chilly. I bet most of us don't drink a lot of water today. It's not very valuable. But if you were standing in the middle of the Sahara Desert and 150 degrees or whatever hot it is, I bet this would be pretty valuable. In fact, you probably could run across a guy that would give you a pretty penny for it, right? You, I mean, you know, if you, were, if you were getting ready to thirst to death, this would be heaven sent. So when we talk about generosity, it has to have value to the person that you're giving. You can't give, and see, this is where we get into trouble. You can't give your well-meant advice because somebody's going through something if they don't want your advice. There's no value added to that, right? And like I said, it's going to go back to money because money is a a pretty relative thing and everybody understands. So, So let me tell you a story. Um... We, we've been looking at buying some properties and different stuff, and we've been going and doing. And, 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 you know, if you've ever tried to buy a property, it puts you in some weird places, places I didn't know existed. And so we ended up someplace the other day down off of 17A, and I was about 10 minutes early, maybe 15 minutes early, and I said, I'm going to stop and get me a drink and a snack because this is happening at lunch, and I just won't eat lunch, I'll eat supper. And I tried to get over to get to the gas station right there on 17A, and I couldn't. The traffic was just crazy. And I had to turn to the right anyway. And I said, well, what the heck? I'll just go in the Family Dollar. I'm sure somewhere in the Family Dollar they have a cold drink and a Snickers or something. I'll just get me one of them. I can honestly say I have never been to the Family Dollar in my entire life at the end of Cypress Gardens Road ever, 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 ever. And I got into the parking lot and I was going inside and Philip called me and said, hey, I need a couple minutes. So I sat in the truck and talked to Philip for a few minutes and then I walked inside. And I'm telling you, This is weird, right? The whole situation is weird. And it is packed, and it's like, you know, a Tuesday at lunch, and I have no idea why it's packed. Anyway, I get to the register, and this this young lady, who looked like she was starting her new house, right? She had uh, trays for the drawers of silverware, and she had diapers, and she had uh, paper towel holders and paper towels. I mean, just two buggies full of stuff at the Family Dollar, right? And I'm behind her in line. And the lady at the next register called for the next person. And then the person she had just checked out said, oh, I got another question. And I've been standing in line now for like 10 minutes. And I I'm, I'm, I'm went from being early to being late. I'm almost to the point to where you can have this drink and this candy bar because I don't care that much. And I don't even know why I'm even here. And then the next thing that happened explained the entire situation. So the lady had an EBT card and they ran it. And she, the lady had behind the counter said, okay, the balance is $53.45. And the young lady was flabbergasted. She had no idea. She had no idea it was going to cost her money. She knew it was first of the month. She knew she had the money to cover it. She did not expect it to have to. And, and I don't know exactly how it works, but only certain things are covered and certain things are not is what I found out. So anyway, it's $53. $53. And she started panicking. And I'm saying, panicking, she was panicking. And I could see life decisions being made. She didn't have no Twinkies. She didn't have no fruit juices. She, didn't, she had stuff to start a house. And so I just reached in my pocket and grabbed 50 bucks and handed it to her. Say, here you go, sweetheart, pay your bill. And the lady said, oh, I'm sorry, we can't take cash here. I folded my $50 bill back in my, and I had a $50 bill in my pocket. I put it right back in my pocket, pulled out my debit card, and I said, well, how about do me this? Scan my drink and candy bar, and then let me pay for the whole thing with my card. Well, sir, I can't do that because we've already finished the transaction, and her EBT has already been run. Okay, cool. We'll do two transactions. Here you go. And the, the young lady is probably 21, 22 years old. I mean, very young, very polite. And she is mortified, number one, to be in the situation. And she is, sir, you, you, can't, sir, you can't do that. Sir, you can't do that. Sir, you, there, I can't ask you to do that. Sir, I'll just put the stuff back. And I said, sweetheart, I have been standing here trying to figure out why in God's name I am in the family dollar at the, in the Cypress Gardens Road. And now I know. So if you would just please be quiet for just a second and allow me to pay for this. And you will take all of your stuff home. And then, praise God, this lady is going to eventually give me my drink and candy bar where I too can leave. We will all be happy. And she still was very adamant, you can't do this. And the lady behind the counter said, you're going to not let him get blessed because you don't want to take his money? And I said, thank you. And I wanted to tell her, and you will be in a sermon very soon, but I'm not going to tell you that right now. I'm like, please, sweetheart. So anyway, long story short, I paid for the lady's thing. And then, like, I went to get in my truck and leave. And she is like, standing there, like, she has no, she just can't. She, and, and, and she's an African-American lady, right? And, and if you looked at her physically, we don't line up, right? We don't. There's a division in our country is what they keep telling us. But there's not a division in God's family. And so she is flabbergasted that this little short, bald dude, white guy, is going to insist on paying for her stuff. And she's just standing there, and I said, sweetheart, it is okay. I promise you, it is okay. I, I really did not have any idea why I was sent to Family Dollar in, in, in Cypress Garden Road. But you were the reason. Because it sure ain't for this you know, drink I'm not supposed to be drinking, or this candy bar I shouldn't eat. But I'm, And I'm not even really hungry. I just figured I was going to eat this because I wasn't eating lunch. I mean, there was a reason I was there, and it was only specifically for that. Now, I'm going to tell you, there were probably five or six times in this process that I really felt like saying, I don't got time for this. I got something else to do. I got more important business to take care of. And in my spirit, I just, I couldn't, and I'm like, God, what are we doing? I mean, I, I, I hate, I not, hate's a bad word. I can't stand when people are very upset over, and look, the, the two ladies in the Family Dollar, they were hustling. They were scanning and bagging and doing as fast as they could do. But I mean, you know how Family Dollar's set up is the little counter is this big, and this young lady had two buggies full of stuff. It just took forever, and I fought my, I, I'm, I'm like annoyed with what's going on, and I fought it back and fought it back, and, and I'm like, God, what are we doing? And then all of a sudden, when I figured it out, it went, whoosh, oh, Lord, thank you for sending me. So we have to be looking for an opportunity to give. Now, uh, I'm going to tell you, and I'll be honest, and maybe it's just me, I have a hard time with folks that's on the side of the road and a sign and a cup or on the side of the street in a big city. I do, I have a hard time with that. And I, every time I see one, I pray, Lord, tell me if I'm supposed to be giving these people money. Because I, I, I want to be the, the person who refreshes others and wants to be refreshed. I want it to, be, to give and to be given back to me. We're going to read that scripture in a second. I want that. I know how God's economy works. I know that when we give into God's economy, he multiplies, puts it by a factor and returns it back to us. And here again, it's hard to explain when it's not money. I mean, it really is because I can tell you the value that, you know, standing and talking to people and not everybody thinks that's a value. But I have kids that have played ball for me over the years that they don't have anybody who cares about how well they're playing or what's going on or how they did at practice. And you know what? It's funny, but those girls will come talk to me. Now, my kids don't necessarily want to talk to me about how good they did at practice or how hard they're playing or anything else because they hear it constantly. Caroline said, here's my problem, Dad. I don't mind hearing it the first time. It's the seventh and eighth time that really bothers me. I really can't. I mean, I know you're trying to relate, and I, I get it, but it's, when we talk about it over and over is when it gets on my nerves. And I understand. I do it. I get it. But there are kids in that group didn't need to hear. And then and, and I can't express the value of that, right? I can't express the value of how it is to talk about a kid of, hey, I see you change your batting stance. You're getting through on the ball. All of a sudden, your power's back. You look good. I mean, that to them is very valuable to y'all. You're like, yeah, whatever, I get it. But the money always seems to be the easy thing, right? It seems to be the easy explanation. So we're we'll going to keep going. <clears throat> um. 2 Corinthians, and this is really the this is really the the banner scripture, right? This is the this is the, the banner scripture of this of this sermon. Second Corinthians chapter 9 verse 6. Remember this whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. It, it, can you imagine it, it, Mike Carr was planting corn? And he took 100 corn seed in the field and planted one over there and one over there and one over there. And how many corn seeds in an acre, Uncle Mike? About? About 3,000. 3, so, so if you, you cut it down to 300, would that hurt your crop? Oh, man, it would hurt your crop, right? And we think about it is as, as that, that's how that works, right? We just planted just enough. Can we plant just enough seed? And the problem you run into in agriculture really is you can almost plant too many seeds, right? You end up with too many plants competing for the same nutrients, the same water, the same sunlight. God don't have that problem. You, you, you don't run into a problem where you can give too generously for God. You can't flood the economy too much that God's like, hey, look, you're going to have to slow down giving stuff or, or I can't work this all out for you. So when we sow sparingly, we reap sparingly. And we sow generously, we also reap generously. So if you want the yield of corn or the yield of what's going on, you don't sow a little bit. You sow the proper amount. So verse 7 says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Which is what Mr. Chuck used to clap. Right? That cheerful giver. See that's the other thing that our mindset, that 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 generous person, right, a person showing a readiness to give more. A lot of times we give and we do, but we do it with the wrong mindset. I mean, I could have been a curmudgeon and said, "Look, lady, if I'll give you fifty bucks, if you just go away, you just get out of my space. I'm I'm tired of dealing here. Please leave." But it wasn't. And I promise you, it's an unbelievable experience when you are where God wants you to be, when God wants you to be, and you perform accordingly. Now, it also stinks that when you're where God wants you to be and and you don't perform accordingly. Those hurt. Those hurt me personally. But when you're in that spot, I didn't want her. I mean, she was already embarrassed and, and felt belittled. And I did not want her a one way, not one ounce uh, uh, of of guilt. I didn't want her to feel guilty for taking it. Because let's be real. I mean, it cost $110 to put fuel in my truck if it's on empty. $110. $50 worth of groceries does not mean a lot in my economy. In her economy, it meant a lot. But there were still two ways it could be delivered. I could have delivered it in a very not nice way. Or mean, or begrudging, or upset, or angry. And go, well God, that's why you sent me here. It's because I had to give this lady money here. See, we do that. We do all of the right things, but sometimes we don't have that. We have a reluctancy that we, should we really be doing this? Is that really what you want me to do with my money? Do you know how, long, how many hours it takes me to make $50? See, it's the, it's the attitude that changes our generosity. I mean, generosity is one thing. I mean, look, and, and, and there, are, there are tears of this sermon, right? If, if you can't get to the generous part, then I can't even tell you about doing it with a good attitude, right? I mean, if you don't play the sport of being a good giver, I can't tell you you got to do it with a good heart. Because if you don't give, it don't, it, the good heart part is a waste of the sermon for you, so just chill. I'll get back to you in a minute. But, but, but we have to be givers. I mean, think about it. When Jesus and the disciples went around, right, doing good, healing the sick, right, they gave to the needy. They had so much of a ministry, they had a guy who was responsible for keeping up with the money. That wasn't a couple of dollars. That was a bunch. People were paying into the ministry, and they were paying it back out. Same thing this church does, right? Right? When we give in our tithes and offerings into this church, it goes into missions around the world. It touches people that you will never meet until we get to heaven, that you can't know. We will never know the end of that ripple. And here again, as a church, we want to give generously with a good attitude, not begrudgingly, not, well, it's time to pay old so-and-so again because I guess they're going to go on, I mean... We really have to. <clears throat> we really have to focus on our attitude. <clears throat> Last night, at, uh, or this weekend, and, uh, my kids were at the Beta Club convention in South Carolina. <clears throat> and Caroline is the, or was the, South Carolina vice president. Just in case you haven't heard, Reed Keller now is the South Carolina president. So the first time ever that their high school went back-to-back officers and the first time they ever went cousin-to-cousin ever, right? It's anybody that knows. But so, but anyway, so the officers at Beta Club and most everybody there is in jeans and a t-shirt or a sweatshirt and very relaxed and laid back and it's a party. And they have a great time and they have uh, competitions with all kinds of different kind of talent and performance arts and and sculptures and jewelry making and academics and I mean there's tons of things and it is it's a it's the best of the best of the best in an academic competition of all kinds of different sorts. But the officers there, we South Carolina, the state of South Carolina has a secretary, a, a vice president, and a president. And they're the three elected officers for Beta Club. And they have to decide that, that at convention they sell dumb dumb suckers, right? And Because Beta Club is a service organization, it is to teach people to serve, so they take the people who have been elected and they allow them to sell these little dum-dums. And those dum-dums are represented to some form of a charity. And the three officers, holy smokes, Whew. and the three officers have to get together and they decide a charity, right? So Caroline pushed for, for Callan Lacey. And and, and and basically, you know, went back and forth with the secretary and the president, and you know, what do you do? What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? And ended up having the opportunity to tell the entire beta convention <clears throat> of what Cal and Lacey does, which is, you know, how she <clears throat> how she did it without crying is because she's mean like her mom, I guess. I don't know. She ain't like her daddy, no. <laughs> Crystal cried all weekend. It has been a terrible weekend. I mean, we won everything, and Crystal cried the whole entire time. I don't get it. But so she stood up there and told them about all the wonderful things that Count and Lacy did, and how the our church had had an opportunity to partner with them and give to them, and how it we're changing kids' lives and. We talked about the statistics of what those kids look like and what kind of families they come out of and, and what kind of situations they're in and their success rates without Cal and Lacey being involved and even some of the success rates once Cal and Lacey is involved. It's a very, 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 very tough situation. So they raised like $246. I mean, he's selling dumb, dumb suckers for a dollar. I mean, there's not a lot of dummies just taking that deal, right? I mean, I think I bought like $40 worth. But, I mean, it's not a good deal. And somebody told her, you know, for $3, dollars i go buy a whole giant bag. And it, but it, it's the idea of it. But t- she got an opportunity to, to share what it is to give to somebody who can't do anything for you back. See, when you talk about being generous and being a cheerful giver, we talk about giving to people who can't do anything for that young lady at Family Dollar can never do anything back. She can't repay me. She don't know who I am. She can't repay me. She couldn't find me, unless she finds me on Facebook. And if you can, I don't want your money. But you can't pay me back. That that's where it means the most when you give to folks who can't pay you back. It, it's one thing if <coughs> if if I need to lend. Thomas or Lane or, or one of y'all, here, here's 100 bucks because you don't have what you need or whatever. That, that, that's not who we're, that's not a generous giver. <coughs> the generous giver is to people like the kids at Cal and Lacey, like the folks that we see every day. And, and, and if we're going to be generous and we're going to show that readiness to give, then we got to look at that every day and every opportunity, every time that there's a chance, we're looking for an opportunity to give. And we're going to have to have part two next week. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for your word. Father, we thank you that it will go forth and will not return void. Father, we thank you that as you prepare us to be more generous, Father, that we are going to be ready. To give and to give your love and your grace, Father, and your kindness. And to give money into the folks that need it the most, Father. To be able to give our time and our compliments to the folks that need it. And Father, we just give you praise and honor and glory in Jesus' most precious name. Amen.